Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. This week I'm talking with my friend Lauren Light, who is a fellow singer-songwriter and sync artist. We are talking about booking for festivals, fairs, and conventions, and the importance of working with the Association of Festivals and Events to get in that market, as well as touring in the college market and what you need to do to be successful in that area. Grab a pen and paper and get ready to take lots of great notes. Hey guys, I am talking with Miss Lauren Light. How are you today? I'm doing great. Well, I'm a little tired. I just got off a red eye, but... Other than oh, that, really? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, well, it's cool that you're here. I'm sorry that you had to take a red-eye flight. Where were you f- coming in from? I actually just came in from um, LA, so back in North Carolina now, so back home, so it's been great. Gotcha. That's cool. What what exciting things are happening in LA that you're having to go out there for, if you can say. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, actually, my company just had their um, second workshop, so we were up there for doing that. It was a songwriter's workshop. Huge kind of thing there, and yeah. also obviously Nam, and um, oh you get to go to Nam. yeah i got to go to Nam for the first time um for about a day i didn't go more than that it was a little overwhelming <laughs> yeah. but i um, went to that and as well had a couple meetings to go to so yeah it was a whole bunch of in-betweens of all the music things that's cool i got <laughs> i've got a bunch of other friends that were at Nam as well and some of them are going you know kind of in the just checking everything out and meeting mm-hmm. people and i have other other friends that were there that are vendors, you know, and selling product and meeting people and do whatever. So that's fun. Uh, <laughs> and now you're also out there for, and you said your company, because you have a, a music licensing company called yeah. 206 Music with mm-hmm. some other people. And well, let me, real quick, let me ex- explain to my audience the reason that we know each other. Yeah, so, um, and, and, and a lot of them have heard of this before, but so you and I were both in a workshop, an online workshop course called Catch the Moon Music uh, Access course. So Catch the Moon Music is the company. It's a music licensing company in LA with Kathy Heller. And you and I were in that course a couple of years ago, learning how to write music for sync, for mm-hmm. TV and film, commercial projects and things like that, kind of learn the process and structuring and all that kind of stuff and getting to meet people, other, other songwriters from around the country and around the world, actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, and learn from music supervisors that would come in and do and sort of teach classes and things like that. And so you and I were both in that course together and have actually gotten to write and uh, write a song together with our friend Mikey Myers. And yeah. I, I produced that. And so, um, you know, it's just a cool, a cool way to have gotten to know each other and 
you know, and work together and things. So the 206 music, you guys have, and we'll talk more about this later on, but yeah, you guys have, you and some other people in the group um, have created this music licensing company, you know, kind of out of learning the Catch the Moon course that we did together. Yeah, exactly. That's actually how we yeah. all met. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So who all is in, who all is in 206 music that runs that? So it's me. Um, we also have the co-founders were um, Alex Helton, um, Chelsea Coy, Megan Mahala, and Dennis Cornell. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get more into that a little bit later on, but let's let's back up here for just a couple of minutes. And for my audience, tell tell everyone who you are, where mm-hmm. you're from, and how you got on this journey of music to begin with. That's a very big question. Let's start from the beginning. No, I'm just yeah. Um, so my name is Lauren Light. Um, I'm a singer-songwriter primarily, and um, I'm from North Carolina, as you can probably tell from the accent just a little bit. Um, <laughs> I actually got started out doing um, full-time touring and um, actually playing with a lot of other bands and being somewhat of a backup vocalist until I was able to go into doing music myself full time. So for the longest time, I've actually been a touring artist for about eight years now. So the licensing company has been within the last year. So I would definitely say, you know, that's kind of where my background is. If you want to know more in depth, let me know. And we'll start from. Well, so yeah, let's talk about, you know, so you're from North Carolina and you Mm -hmm. were starting out as backup singing for other artists. How did you start making connections with people, letting people know that, hey, I'm a singer and I'm looking to you know, to be in a band or to sing backup for, for other artists? How are people finding out about you? Yeah, actually, it was from a fun coincidence. So I have a music business songwriting degree from Berkeley. Um, right after college, um, I actually got an internship at a kind of bigger booking agency that actually specialized in beach bands and country artists, which is kind of the opposite of the realm that I went into. But so I was actually booking other bands and I can't remember exactly the situation, but they could not find a backup singer. Um, And they found out that, you know, I actually, you know, went to school for it and actually could sing pretty well, got Mm -hmm. thrown into the mix. And then I started getting rehired. So I was working at this booking agency, but also um, singing as well. So you're saying passive income and doing different sources. I was working for the booking company making commission we booked people from like the temptations to you know beach bands that were local to like country artists that were you know national acts and i would do backup for different people wherever i was needed and learn it you know within a you know short frame of time or Mm -hmm. you know be hired by different you know a lot of them were like beach bands so i kind of got started into a different um realm than i actually thought i would be Mm -hmm. um at the same time i was doing that actually was in a publishing entity as well. So I couldn't write so much music. So at the same time, I had a two-year contract with a publishing company. So I was writing a lot of music on this side spectrum for a lot of rap and hip-hop artists. So (laughs) I was kind of in completely two different worlds trying to get ready to kind of start my own thing. So for about two years, I feel like I was really learning from other people by, like I said, doing backup singing or writing for other artists. So after that two years, I'd kind of cultivated my own music and was mm-hmm. kind of ready just to kind of hit the ground running. Obviously, with yeah. the publishing company, I couldn't release any of that stuff. So kind of hit the ground right. running. You're you're writing for other artists mm-hmm. at that point, mainly. Yeah. What you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that you... Well, it's interesting that you're writing rap and hip hop. Um, that was not by choice. It just was an accidental mistake, but I'm really grateful for it. Well, I mean, but it's great experience, you know, and, um, but I didn't know that you, 
had worked for a, a booking agency at the mm-hmm. time. Now, where was the booking agency located? Was that North Carolina? Or was that it was. Uh, there was okay. a headquarters that was in North Carolina. So okay. I was in that um, vicinity. So it worked and that out really was an, well. That was an internship that you got through Berkeley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was okay. just through that because they found out I had my degree in that. And they needed someone with a degree. Uh-huh. You know, at that time, you so, know. Sure. Well, let's talk about that just for a second, because so many artists, you're, I mean, you're an independent artist for people that are wondering, um, and you, you tour a lot and you write a lot and now you're writing music for TV and sync. So you've, you've done a bunch of stuff, um, multiple streams of income, which we talk about all the time, but working for a booking agency and so many people mm-hmm. are trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I go about booking a show? I'm an artist mm-hmm. and I want to go out and tour but I don't know how to get in touch with people. I don't know how to, to, to contact people. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, if I'm supposed to call them or email them. What do I say if I call them or if I email them, whatever. Um, so can we talk for a minute from your perspective of working at an actual booking agency, what is the process or what did you learn about the booking process um, when you're trying to book shows? Yeah, of course. Um, at this company, I actually booked a lot of festivals and fairs and higher like paid conventions. Okay. So it was a different market than I would even say going into the route of local booking. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand that they all go through um, kind of like showcases, conventions, where buyers come to conferences to pick their acts. Because within those bigger realms, you also need like insurance. So example, if you're playing a show and someone trips over your, your snake that's actually like on the ground, you know, they could they could potentially, you know, sue you. So mm-hmm. certain markets, they actually need insurance before they even hire bands that need to know they come from places that they can actually trust. So sometimes I think people some, try to go straight to like the festival fair convention, but a lot of them go through conventions where they can actually pick their acts. So like, for instance, within the festival market, there's a convention in every state that actually hires their festival fair acts, entertainment, you know, anything from their food, okay. they come to one location once a year. So I think a lot of people don't understand that. And then it's pretty much a relationship from there. So you can book within the year, but until they had that face to face and they know that certain entities have approved of those acts or those agencies, they don't really want to, you know, invest their time. So a lot of times artists will start all the way to the festival or to the fair and you know, some local ones are fine with that, but for the most part, it doesn't work that way. So I think it's mainly that they just don't know that there's a, a correct way of doing things, honestly. So right. just going through the wrong avenue. <laughs> sure. Well, and the thing is, is there are a lot of websites, a lot of festivals on their website will have, you know, a submission mm-hmm. form that you, you know, for you to perform. So do you think that, is it worth trying to submit to a a music festival through their contact form on the website, or is that just kind of like for, you know, maybe a smaller stage, you know, a free stage where you're not mm-hmm. getting paid to do that? Or I think that's the difference. I think a lot of those, and you still can um, by emailing, get some paid gigs. But I think the higher paid gigs is where you showcase and actually okay. perform in front of those people because they right. just know who they're getting. You know. Yeah. Can you say? who those agencies are that you need to be in touch with that you need to audition for that are that the festivals are coming to there's there's a good amount there's um depending on if you're doing more local festivals there are you know just a multitude of festival agencies as well within national agencies off the top of my head i'm not thinking of a lot but a lot of times you can go to the um 
the associations of festivals and events that's okay. in each state. That's that's what the actual naming is called. Association and, of Festivals and Events. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they actually detail the agencies that have been approved, have paid their dues, and are members. And also, that's the one entity besides like college booking, which I got into a little later, mm-hmm. where you potentially don't have to have an agent. It's just that you have to have a presence there and a you know membership right. be involved. Um, like I said, you can do it online. It's just... I think you'll get a higher pay um, from experience if you're a part of those entities and they know that you have, you know, like I said, your insurance, you, they know you've had the certain amount of shows that you've had to pay prior to getting into that membership. So they, they just know they're hiring someone that's slightly seasoned pretty much. So yeah, yeah, that's where the paid, paid gigs are. Sure. No, that's good information. I, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. So <laughs> I, I just learned something, you know, I didn't know that there with the festivals that there was, because I know that in the college market that there are yes. a couple of, of those things. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But um, but I had never actually heard of that on the festival side. And I always wonder, he's like, you know, you just think, well, okay. Big they're name. very hush-hush about it. No one ever does. I tell people all the time and they're like, huh? So exactly. it's it's very easy. And it's honestly like there's a whole entire list on the website as well of like all the festivals within each state. Or there's different ones kind of like within NACA and APCA, which is the college market where they have them like the Southeast international association fairs. And so they have different like chunks within, you know, the East coast, Northeast coast, you know, wherever you're at. Well, it's interesting because I do booking for, for other artists and and different genres as well. And, and so I do, you know, I reach out to festivals and talk to different ones. A lot of them like the country festivals and, Mm -hmm. um, and some jazz festivals and things like that. So, you know, some of the people that I talk to that are kind of get a direct contact with, mm-hmm. you know, the people that work for the festival itself mm. and um, a certain, you know, marketing or booking person, whatever that, that they'll refer me to. And so I get to talk to them and, you know, and they'll be interested and they're like, yeah, email me the, you know, the information, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll give me a, they'll give me pricing. Okay. This is what, you know, this stage is paying this, this stage is paying this. And so, and the, nobody ever even mentions this other entity that you just talked about. <laughs> so yeah, that's why they, it's interesting to me that there's these sort of two or three different, you know, ways of maybe going mm-hmm. about getting into a festival. Yeah. And I think you're probably even targeting some of the like smaller stage, but like this is like for even the main stages as oh, well. Yeah. No, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about like, like either main stage or second, second to the main stage or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just kind of all over the board, but yeah. So it's just good for people to know that there, you know, there are a couple of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's a, a new a new thing that I just learned from you. So hopefully people will take that into consideration if they're wanting to try to get into festivals, you know, mm-hmm. on these bigger stages. And that the is- same with fairs. That's They, they have and different fairs, conventions. Yeah. So um, okay. completely different. And they're different genres as well because I tried to get into the fair market myself and I'm not really a country artist. So it didn't really, it works very well for country and Americana folk, that kind of genre. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I would have never really known that either, honestly, if it wouldn't have mm-hmm. been for working for that company and having to um, network and contact. I was on the phone all the time and I had to go to these conventions, which later I went as my own artist, which I say you can self-represent yourself as well. You know, certain right. personalities can, you know, if you're a business kind of minded person, go for it. Sure. Well, as an independent artist, you have to be. Exactly. You know, that's that for for people like you and me who are doing this. We're, you know, we're indie artists, we own our own companies and we're in charge of everything. You know, it, we, everything, 
the buck stops with us, mm -hmm. you know? So we have to be, we have to know the music side to be creative, but we also have to know the business side and have to, and how everything works because we don't have anyone yeah. else doing it for us <laughs> necessarily. Oh my you gosh, know. you're so right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, it's hard, but it's, it's worth it. You know, it's, if it's your, your passion in life and what you're supposed to be doing, you feel like this is what I want to do. And, you know, we just, but you, you have to work for it. You know, it's not going to just fall in your lap. Exactly. You know, I think one of the cool things for you that has been a big advantage for you is, is having that internship at a booking agency that where you were able to learn the inning, the inner workings of how all of those things work so mm -hmm. that you can go later on as a, an artist, you know, how to, to, to kind of navigate that, that whole scene yeah, you know, in ways that people, other people would not. And that's true. And I, I built relationships by the time I started booking Lauren Light Band. Mm -hmm. um, they already knew me for booking a lot of the different national acts and stuff like that. So we had a working relationship. So it was like the door was so much easier to go through, which I know that's probably hurtful for some people starting out, you know, because they didn't have like that just leeway in there and new people. But mm -hmm. it definitely it definitely helped open that door. And I as soon as I started my band, we were playing festivals within, you know, the first couple months. So it, it yeah. definitely helped. Sure. Um, okay. So, sorry, we kind of stopped there and focus on that. So let's, let's continue on with your story. Um, after you had done that for a while and then you started going out and booking yourself and then, mm -hmm. so continue on from there. Yeah. And, um, during that time as well, I was with, um, I'll explain the publishing entity as well, because I know yeah, hip hop do. and rap doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, as a college student, you just want to get out and just like hit the ground running pretty much. Um, I got a deal and it was through a company that had pretty much worked with like Lauren Hill and Pink and TI. You know, you just hear all these big names and I got really, really excited. I signed a contract and went with now it. How did you get this? How did you get this contract? Like, how did you connect with these people for them to want to sign you to begin with? Actually, ironically, um, I won um, kind of like a rock artist of the year kind of thing. And okay. kind of developed that through that because I've written for some other artists as well. Um, and they said they would really be interested in possibly, and I'd submitted some of my work in consideration as well, because I always want to write for other people as well as myself. Yeah, um, and I just assumed, which was a bad idea, people don't ever assume things. And then, and I went to school and had learned all this stuff that I just completely was like, <laughs> who cares? Um but it was pretty much, I assumed since I submitted a lot of pop singer songwriter stuff that I would be added to that part of the publishing entity, but they were actually needing someone within those um, categories within uh, rap and hip hop because within, especially like the chorus or the bridge of the song, they usually have to have like a melody writer. So I got brought into that being a pop writer. So when I got there the first day and I was set up with, you know, another R and B rap singer, I was very confused, but I had signed on to that um, portion of the publishing company to pretty much bring like melodies and to that entity. So it kind of worked out in mm -hmm. an odd form, but it kind of sparked my love for writing for other genres. So I've kind of written for, I've written every genre now after that, because sometimes I think you put yourself in a box. So it kind of spread my pop wings, which I think still influences all the sound that I have today as well. Um, sure. And we were talking about, so that was just some of that because people were like, what is she doing? Um, mm -hmm. So, okay. So college went out, got my internship at the same time was doing the publishing entity. And then I decided after I was, I was playing a lot, a lot, a lot of shows and 
not really fulfilling the artist route. And it was kind of getting that time I, I just needed to because I actually started my own band. So I had to completely, it feels like, start over again. Because when you're booking other bands, you know, you're already within a company that has an established relationship. So I had a little bit of it in the door. So I started booking a lot of festivals, a lot of conventions, fairs. I played at least 150 shows locally a year for sure, just locally, and started booking wineries, breweries, you know, you name it. Was out playing and doing all of that. Um, okay, let me let me stop you there for a second and let's talk about that because now you're okay. We're not talking about festivals any longer and in organizations where you, people have to come and audition and mm-hmm. you've kind of already got an in because you worked sort of in that capacity. Now you're going out and you're booking individual shows at different venues uh, in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going about connecting with a venue and with a booking? agent at a venue and letting them know who you are and that you're wanting to come perform at their venue and finding out what, because different venues have different processes of how they want to receive information. How are you making those connections to begin with? So I've obviously since a young age had like this fearless attitude that I could do anything. So sometimes I'm a little too fearless for my um, own good. So (laughs) I, I would tend to, when I first started out, I actually had a physical EPK and I had like, I mean, I'm over the top perfectionist. So I had this like nice little folder that had like my Lauren Light branding and I had like printouts that I had made from like Visa Print and like my CD. And I would go door to door to different venues, even if they were a couple hours away. And I would spend my time actually physically walking in and meeting people. So I would completely yeah. go in, ask who their you know music director was, and I would like to speak to them. So I pretty much took a lot of the tactics that I did getting new venues and shows for other bands that I was booking for and started kind of doing it as like a self-represented. I'd also yep. just, I would stay up till about four o'clock in the morning, emailing a ton of people. But I actually found out that calling people made the biggest difference because no one called anyone. People sometimes like to hide behind email. And I found that for some reason, me just talking, mm-hmm. I could book a lot more. So I would I would call. And I think at that time, email was becoming more of the theme. So people were very like, taken aback and still it was still the era where they're like well that's really nice that I got a phone call and they got to meet me or I would come in person so a lot of times I was it was mainly just going door to door almost felt like a salesman but (laughs) yeah that's kind of how I actually got my foot into it and honestly after a word of mouth I I started booking a ton after that so I played um for the first couple years was definitely only North Carolina South Carolina Virginia the the surrounding states around me Mm -hmm. so it was, yeah. I, th- I think that's such an important thing for artists to know that are trying to get out and that are struggling with booking shows um, is, is just knowing, okay, how do I do that? How do I get someone's attention? Because I think, I think these venues are getting inundated all the time, mm-hmm. you know, with people wanting to come, come to them. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, they're getting, you know, they've got to be getting 50, 100, 200 emails a day or every couple of days yep. wanting, you know, wanting people to come and perform there. And so if you're going to email somebody wanting to play at their venue, you've got to be able to stick out. So if you're going to email someone, you've got to make it a unique email. It's got to be short and sweet, but you've got Mm -hmm. to be personable and not just, Hey, I'm so-and-so and and I want to come play your venue. What do I need to do? (laughs) You know? Yeah. But I love, but you you and I are on that same page. I like to call people. I think that's much more personable. Um, 
way to go about it and actually get them on the phone and they can hear your voice and hear your interest, mm-hmm. you know, of what you're wanting to do. And then also to build a, a relationship and a connection with that person, particularly, you know, knowing, knowing, like you said, that nobody ever, e- no one ever calls them. They either just email them and they're trying to hide behind that and whatever. So that you can, if you can either get them on the phone and build a relationship with them, let them know who you are and do it that way. Or I love that you go into the venue itself. You know, (laughs) I definitely did. And that booked a lot of things because I just think my personality is chill. I know other people have tried to do that and have abrasive personalities where they're like, put me now. But I become their friend. (laughs) I found out within the festival market, especially um, people book their friends and people they trust. They don't mm-hmm. book people that try to sell them things. Right. So I would just come into the venue. I would give, you know, talk, give them my EPK and say, feel free to listen to it. But tell me about kind of how you guys have been running the business. What kind of music do you have? And kind of went straight off me and talked about their success and what they were doing and what kind right. of artists they were bringing in. And honestly and truly, one other thing that helped when they told me artists that didn't match me, I would say, well, that doesn't really match my style, but I'd love to, love to give you the name of a couple of friends of mine. And Via that, they would actually refer me to other venues because of how nice I was and that I didn't try to sell myself when I didn't fit. So I got some big shows off of that as well just because in the community, I was honestly trying to help everyone out. So that actually helped as well. So Yeah. Uh, Take take notice, listeners. That is the way to do it right there. Yeah. I think I booked my – Building relationships with people. Oh, yeah. I booked uh, the second show me and my band played. We played for 8,000 people because of that reason. So um, it's a very country folk Americana driven market here in mm-hmm. North Carolina, in my opinion. Um, and I went to a couple places and was with pop and, you know, it didn't really work out. So I gave, you know, referrals. Um, when it came time, there was a huge radio station in the area that was doing an event that was going to be, it's called Brewfest and it was going to be a big lineup and they needed a pop artist because it was a pop station and no one knew any pop artists. And they're like, well, there was this girl and she was awesome. And, you know, gave me some references, some other people, you should check her out. Um, so like my second show was in front of 8,000 people just because of being nice. (laughs) So yeah, it definitely helps. You know, be a good human. It's okay. (laughs) Absolutely. That's cool. Uh, so now, how many years have you been? You said it's about eight years now yep. that you've been about doing eight this years full time. Full time, right? I would definitely say full time comfortably have, has been. You know the difference between full time, like I'm doing it, and like right. crying in parking well, lots trying to pay for bills. Uh, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, probably about four years. So what what other things are you doing at the same time that you're? You're going out, being an artist, booking your shows, and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing that. Um, what else are you doing at the same time that's music related that helps sort of fulfill that multiple streams of income idea? Definitely. So playing. Um, also to mention the college market, it's a huge income source for me. So I do that, and then also um, I do a lot of vocal work and writing for other artists. So I write a lot for different bands and um, make income that way. Um, and vocal work for people and also the licensing company now. So are you doing, um, are you recording demos for people or are you like a featured guest on someone else's song that's being released as a single or how does that, when you say you're you're doing stuff with other people, what is that? Okay. Well, as far as um, with like other bands, I write for other bands. So I've written for like, randomly a lot of metal artists in the area uh i that's actually Again. one of my yeah i'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna say their name on here because they're not sure. um they're labeled they're about to release a couple things um yeah. and i'm also oh, cool. 
I'm excited. It's it's going to be cool. It's it's two different bigger bands, metal bands that have conjoined forces, conjoined, <laughs> joined forces. Thank you. You know, it's red <laughs> eye. I'm blaming it on it. So they right. joined for, forces about to release a whole new um, album. I got nice. added on the same reason for the rap um, thing because uh, I can write melodies and I needed um, someone to come on and um, instead of being pretty much screaming the whole entire time, bring in their second singer to write the melody hooks for the chorus. Um, right. I've done that written for a lot of rock artists. So like I, I, I go into the studio with them and help them write stuff for their album. And as far as like, the vocal work has mainly actually been because of like when we were talking about the chorus, a lot of people hire me to do their vocals for their, their sync projects. So I've been right. doing a lot of sync project vocals. So for a second there, I almost got over inundated with stuff. So I got backed up really far, but we're back on track. Now. Which is a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. I just did not expect for that many people to want my physical vocals on their tracks. I'm like, whoa. Well, so. you're a great vocalist. So well, I mean, it, it makes total sense. I mean, when the song that we got to do, um, so the song that you and Mikey and I wrote called Moving On, mm-hmm. um, I produced that for us. Like, I love that song. And I, I'm going to put that on... Uh, <sighs> the end of this that'd be awesome <laughs> at the end of this interview i want to kind of close out um the the whole show with that song perfect or at least part of it it feels only um, right <laughs> it feels right yeah yeah it's a little shameless self-promotion for all of us uh but i want people to know who you are and what you sound like and kind of what we are able to do together and i think it's my daughter's favorite of all the sync tv songs that i've done uh she's got two favorite songs and that's one of them Sweet. so i know it's which is well, cool for me then it's <laughs> <laughs> so, so why as a dad uh it's a big it's a big thing when you're when your kid loves your stuff so uh, so let, let's back up for a second because you talked about working in the college market mm-hmm. so you're you're an artist that gets to do a lot of colleges now that is the same that works the same way as the festival market where yes. you're, there, are, there are organizations that you have to go audition for. And then people, the colleges come, you know, once a year or, um, and are able to buy shows basically, yeah. um, that they're going to have artists come into their college, that kind of thing. So, and I love, I love this because, uh, I found out recently, I got another guest on the show that, um, that will be on or that has been on and his name is Mark Miller and he owns a company called brave enough, Mm -hmm. which is a booking agency and he does a bunch of other stuff, but he is focused on the college market. That is his main thing. He books bands into different colleges and he, he does the, the NACA, the NACA, um, which is one of the organizations that colleges come to that you have to audition for, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I found out through him that you are one of his clients, that, yeah. you, <laughs> that you're one of his artists. And I was like, wait, I know, Lauren, we've written together. We've, I've, <laughs> we do TV music together. And he's like, what? Are you serious? Yeah. So, and then, so I think that is super cool. That's just, just another reminder of how small I know. the musical world is that, you know, like you and I've never actually met in person. We've, I know. we've talked, we've worked together over email and over, Facebook and doing this and all this kind of stuff, but we haven't met in person yet. But yet this other guy that I know, um, is <laughs> your booking agent. I'm like, dude, how cool is this? I know. So, Next time I'm you... in Nashville, I'll have to, I'm, I'm there a good amount. So, <laughs> oh yeah, well, it's definitely, yeah, let's definitely all get together. But, um, so how did you get connected with 
with Mark Miller at Brave Enough to start doing the college market? Definitely. It's a small world. Um, I was actually one of the first artists on the roster. So oh, let nice. me actually back up and it will be a good segue into. So I, I told you earlier I was doing the festivals and booking for right. those. I was like, there has to be other conventions that book artists like in different capacities. And I, I bumped into um, the NACA and APCA markets um, for one year and one year only. They did the South Conference um, at NACA South, so their their Southern District. They did it in my hometown one year in Winston-Salem, which makes no sense. I, I think that was all like happened, should have happened. So I went there and self-represented myself and my band. It it was the one of the best things I've ever done and one of the worst things I ever did in my life okay. because I, it's very expensive to get into the college market. That's the first thing. And two, unlike the festival market, you really cannot self-represent yourself unless you're – Yeah, you've met Mark. He's a personality that you can just, you know. Um, so at that point, that was maybe 2012, um, I tried to self-represent myself at the college market. And when I say crash and burned, it just – nothing worked well that day because it's a whole different way of booking shows. But because of that, um, in that um, – NACA South, Mark and his uh, wife, Heather, had their project that was called So Long Solo. So I don't know if he mentioned yep. that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure did. He was working there together. And again, the being nice thing comes into play. They booked a show that was locally um, near me and we had went out to lunch. We, we, we hit it off really well, pretty fast. Um, they booked a show in UNCG, which is a college not far from me. And I was like, you guys, don't worry about paying for a hotel. If you need to stay, come and stay with me or my family. And you know, like we good. So for about five years, they actually took, we, my family hit it off very well with them too. And they would stay anytime they were in North Carolina. And sometimes they would make trips like kind of outside of like, they'd be playing in Virginia and kind of come to our house just to stay. So for about five years while they were touring the college market, they would stay with me every time. So whenever they started their agency, I remember they were actually at my house staying for their tour Mark was telling me about the idea. He was like, I'm, I'm really feeling like called to go into the college market realm. And I want to see if you would want to be one of the first artists we sign. So that's actually kind of how it happened. So I kind of gave up on the college right. market because my first rodeo did not work. But it's because I was so, doing it all wrong. <laughs> well, okay. So let's talk about that. Like, So for people that are wanting to get into that market, what is it that you feel like you, you are doing wrong so that they can hopefully – learn from that and know how to do it the right way. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, starting out, I was kind of going the full band route, which you you can do, but you're competing against. I remember the year I went, I was competing against the Plain White Tees and a couple other bands, like just out of your league bands. So they have different um, showcase categories. And I should have been in like the coffee house, small showcase setting, just okay. starting out. I think it's just kind of like trying to go from one to Beyonce. You shouldn't do it. You got to kind of, you know, warm your way into it. So I think doing a duo or a solo act is really the best way to get into it. Again, you can do a full band, but it, it, it's just harder. Mm-hmm. And the payout is the same as if you were doing a duo. So, you know, you know how paying a band is. But anyway, so I was doing that. I also did not realize the whole pr- uh, pricing. Um, they actually have pricing for each category as well. like, And they have what's called... Um, showcases there as well if you don't showcase the students just assume that you're slightly a nobody it's it's sad but it's kind of true if you're not showcasing there unless you have a personality that can just pull 
tons of people in, but they have so many shiny things in that convention center that you won't stick out unless you showcase. So I did find out you have to have a showcase in that first year. I, I did not showcase. I just kind of went there, you know, hope for the best. Um, so by going there, you mean, did you have like a table set up just yes. to like have your CDs and let people know who you were kind of a thing? Yeah. So they had a yeah. different convention booths and that's the same within like the festival markets. They set up booths. So I had like a TV screen where you could like put my headphones on and listen to my band and like had mm-hmm. different pamphlets and different stuff like that. But, right. they, but if they, you're not showcasing and performing at the at the convention, it's pretty much a no-go. It's a no-go. I, I wish yeah. I could say differently, but just learn from my couple thousand dollars expense because it's expensive mm. to go. And that was me driving from Winston-Salem to the conference like five minutes away. You know, no don't goodness. invest. I honestly would not ever do the college market without an agent. I just would not do it ever. <laughs> have, a, have an agent going into it. Yes. So you, have you someone like Mark Miller. Oh, yeah. Who is in that market already representing you. So you have someone, you know, leading that cause for you. Oh, yeah. That's the one yeah. market that, that you just can't go around it. I know Mark and Heather did, um, but they're they're kind of just a special breed, honestly. It's it's not the the usual. <laughs> right. So yeah. you – that sounds awful, but it's true. You won't make it yeah. in that industry without an agency, unlike yeah. other ones you can. So I well, definitely that's, that's good to know. That's yeah. good. That's good advice. For and there's people only too. about seven agencies that actively do it. So it's very easy to find them. If you go to NACA.org, look at showcases, you'll see the, the names that keep pop, pop, popping back up the right. agencies. So it's very easy to get into that route. So um, kind of easy. Yeah. So <laughs> what is it like performing uh, for colleges as opposed to, you know, a, a regular venue, you know, a, a club or coffee house or whatever it is, you know, once you get into that market, um, what is that process like to perform for a college? It is night and day difference. So you honestly never know what you're going to walk into for a college. For a venue, you, you kind of know the standard. You're going to walk in, there's going to be people sitting in front of you and you're going to play your original show. And, you know, like it's pretty black and white. Mm-hmm. But for colleges, I've played shows where, like, I went to their cafeteria and pretty much I'm back background noise and played that. I've been where it's been they've set up like almost like an amphitheater style setup and had like just people sitting in seatings and watching me. I've mm-hmm. also played like massage nights. Let me explain. Um, <laughs> so that like for instance, I played a school that they actually were. Um, I guess half their degree was in massage therapy. So they had nights where I literally play and they would bring all the people they needed for their hours and they would set up their um, like tables. And so I would sing while they're getting massages. Like it just all over the place. Um, Fun nights. Like it's really a hangout session and I've come to make everyone, you know, just chill and have a good time. And Mm. a lot of it has to do around building conversation and making college students just feel like, you know, wanted, needed, and excited to be there. So it's it's more of a big hangout, it feels like, that I play music. Are the majority of the college shows you play, is it the that the students are coming to actually listen to you as opposed to, like you said, you played like a cafeteria and you're <laughs> kind of like background noise. You know, what? which of those is the majority situation for you? Usually the like massage events. Okay. <laughs> so it's yeah. more like the, the oddball, like we've, they make, 
like I remember one, I played a Pinterest night with Lauren Light. So they, it's like activities that they can do and bring people there. And usually they involve music. So okay. it's always just kind of oddball events. And then I'm added. So okay, but people so come you, for it. You're you're not creating necessarily a show like the Pinterest night. That's like their event that you're coming to be a part of. You're mm-hmm. not you're not you're not coming saying, let's have a Pinterest night with Lauren Light. No, they they've right. created it. They've so got it. the college yeah. kind of has like events and then they kind of form an artist into that event so yeah. i was still the main focus i'm still doing all my original music and stuff like that it's just again watching someone make slime in front of you as you're singing is so much different than playing like a listening room where people that that's the difference like obviously and and like afterwards you know i hang out and i make slime and i've you know done oh, like yeah. that i've done a lot of craft nights actually i was just thinking yeah. about how many i've done but they're they're just more of activities it's me getting to know them and i also i, I know you probably talked to mark i bring tea to every event for the college market right. so yeah, i actually um have tea for everything so it, it's a giant hangout session and me singing yeah. and getting to know them so yeah well and, and again it's it comes back to building relationships you're because you're taking time after the show to set and make slime or drink tea or yep. whatever it is to hang out with them you're you're creating opportunities to build relationships with these students so mm-hmm. that you can be asked back. Yeah. And that's you know? actually been one of my things. If I go to a college, I'm always asked back for a lot of, a lot of the time, just because they say they bring a lot of artists in and they have a green room. So they usually provide like your meal and your lodging. And so a lot of the artists get there, play and like go to the green room because right. sometimes they're better than everyone's. I have no idea. So I've been told time and time again like oh you're gonna actually hang out with us i'm like well why not yeah so they usually ask me back just because i'm you know not trying just to be the artist you know right yeah yeah yeah. you just got to get in and interact with everybody yeah it's it's always a always a better way to go when you can when interacting you know because that shows you that you have interest in the people themselves you're not just there to get a sing show your songs get a paycheck and cut out Exactly. You know. And they become friends. I mean, I, I know a lot of the different college students via Instagram and we talk all the time, you know, and I see mm-hmm. them, we get them out and I see them at the convention, the conventions every year until they graduate. If you're a new artist, mm-hmm. okay, and, and this is your first year, um, you know, you're kind of starting off just playing your first shows and you happen to get in, let's, you know, I'm just, this is hypothetical, but you happen to get in and with an agency that's, that's booking the college market and you get mm-hmm. in with them. You know, or someone who's been doing it for 15 years and then they happen to get in or they're just now getting into that college market. Um, you know, the same price level is going to it's going to apply. Yep. Correct. Yep. That's it's the unicorn of the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's and it's interesting, too, because there's a lot of voice contestants there and a lot of people that are doing huge things. But right. if you have talent, you're you're on the same playing field. Like there's right. the price difference doesn't change and it goes right. up that from there. Sense. So a lot of the people that are bigger acts will charge higher prices. So there's also high tech um, showcasing. So like I said earlier with the plain white tees, they're obviously paying, getting paid a lot more. The The highest I've seen payout was $10,000 for an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that was a bigger artist. So that's the thing too on the stage um, in between. So they have a high tech and a low tech artist, which high tech literally just means more to put on stage so like there will be like five five players with five inputs it like there's just more to do and the sure the low tech is mainly acoustic it doesn't mean that one's better than the other it just literally right. means <laughs> one's more one, high tech and one's more low tech right but, a, a mic and a guitar versus a full 
you know, six piece band or whatever. Exactly. But stereotypically, yeah. the high tech are the ones that are paid more sure. because there is more to do. So, but they'll have the the national artists because like Smash Mouth has been there when I was there, and they'll have random speakers and huge acts come, and a lot of times they ask for a higher payout. Um, but they also have what's called block booking, so they get that rate reduced if they book more shows. So, for instance, if there's a thing called three of five block booking, if three different schools within one to two hour radius of each other book me um, for more or for a date within a week's amount of time, three of five days, um, my rate goes down for each one of them just a little bit because they get a discount for booking me at the same time. So that's why that rate's so high so that it can be lowered down when people do block booking as well. Right. Now, are you are you ever taking your band to play college venues or are you only doing solo acoustic shows? Right now, I've only been doing solo acoustic. Um, I travel a lot in airplanes and that, that budget would get deplet- depleted so fast. But right. um, if they do ask, we've talked about it um, within local ven- local. Um, couple hour radius i'll bring the band so i would love to um yeah so what's the difference in, in price range as a, for a solo at 1250 to doing um a band situation See, not, and- not not smash mouth or plain white tees rates because they're you know they're the top of the tier kind of yeah. stuff but for most independent artists that are bands yeah that's why i said do the duo because it's the same price Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, you would make Duos 12, all the way. <laughs> you you would make twelve fifty to fifteen hundred or the highest seventeen fifty, like not the including your travel lights, blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. But just like the start out rate, you would mm-hmm. make the same as a solo artist as you would as a full band. Now, does that does that increase the more years you're doing it? Yeah. Or so you can it's one of those if you came as a full band and you quoted a price of three or five thousand starting out, they would not hire you because they can hire someone that of a this sounds right. awful higher caliber like sure. a bigger bigger known artist so a lot of times the schools are either like community colleges or smaller schools and they're looking for a certain price range so mm-hmm. they have a budget of this amount and they don't care if you're by yourself or you're with a full band it's going to be about right. the same price so it's that's why that's why i said earlier it's like and that market doing solo and duo starting out is the way to go because you get paid the same amount. But I know other bands, especially even on our roster, um, they're getting paid the same amount as me for seven people, which, you know, floors me. So right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you're with a full band, it does put you in different vicinities because when I, I play at these colleges, I book um, local venues around that to build my audience. So mm-hmm. if it at least pays for them to get to different states so they can tour more regularly, there's still a benefit in that. Yeah. How many shows do you try to play in a surrounding area when you book a college? Well, if I'm playing a college, um, if it's not block book, because sometimes if I'm block right. book, I'm all right. over the place. But I tend to try to do three in the area and I try to okay. pick one private so I can make a little extra. And then I try to pick two public, but far enough away um so probably usually an hour or two so i can play two public shows in the area so it's when you say three. when you say a private show mm-hmm. how how do you determine how do you how do you book a private show um yeah like a house a, a house show or right. but um, how do you how do you put the word out to people that hey i'm going to be in this area you know playing this college i'd love to do a house concert with you guys you yeah. know, who who are you reaching out to? Do you, are you looking for people that you already know in that area to to try to host that, or mm-hmm. how are you letting people know about that particular 
type of an event. Yeah, definitely. And I'm probably going to say something else. So you'll be like, um, they have a convention for that too. Um, there's different <laughs> conventions for like house shows as well. <laughs> so you can do it within that marketing. And then also there's a whole bunch of different like um, different avenues like concerts in your home and mm-hmm. places where you can contact. There's a couple of um, house show, bigger house shows in North Carolina that I honestly, I'll contact them because I've played their venues before and say, hey, I know you go to the conventions. There's one like in New York. Uh, Have you met anyone in these areas that would be good to contact or that you've come across? And then also just word of mouth because now playing a lot of the different colleges and I'll play public shows where I meet people um, that possibly potentially would want to hold house concert from that. And a lot of the people on the artist uh, roster within, especially Brave Enough too. I mean, we've all kind of contacted each other and said, hey, I'm kind of coming to your area. Do you know any places? Do you know any people that would host a house concert? Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can always even private shows consist of like country clubs and, you know, stuff like that where you can do as well. So a lot of that's just through going through the markets that are online. Like I said, there's a couple different places that have a list of all house shows in each state or just yeah. word of mouth. I have found house shows to be extremely difficult to get really? into. Um, and maybe because, at, well, at the time, this was a few years ago when I was first kind of looking into that market. And, and obviously, again, there's a convention for it. Did not know that. <laughs> That's um, what I was going to say. I was going to like, surprise. Um, yeah, surprise. But, um, you know, I mean, there was a lit, there was a websites for it. And, you know, I reached out to some of them and they would either never get back to you <laughs> or... Um, they still wanted physical CDs and they wanted it mailed to you. What? Like they wouldn't, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, this may have been five or six years ago, whatever, but still, <laughs> but still I'm just like, well, okay. Um, so that's just been a hard, uh, it's a hard market to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I guess, obviously if you're not going through, uh, a house concert convention, <laughs> now, yeah. knowing that that might be, you know, that may be a different scenario now. Yeah, there's a big one that's in North Carolina. I'm blanking on the name. Not North Carolina, New York, um, that I'm blanking on the name of right now. And then there's a couple of different ones. There's one in Florida for like the listening rooms. Um, it's called Listening Rooms uh, Showcase, I think. Um, it's in Florida every year. Um, there, there, there's just different ones in each region. Even like there's if you just Google, I know like Chattanooga has their house concert networking. Like if you just google certain ways like house concerts networks house yeah. concert and they like each state kind of has their own weird little association yeah. um yeah. it's a little harder to find the festivals but and they're not in like every state but yeah. a lot of the bigger music you know places do sure and then just well, word of mouth yeah one of the things one of the reasons i say that it was really difficult difficult to get into mm-hmm. is because when i would find them and look at their schedule they're booked like a year out. Oh, they're definitely booked a year out. You know, and it's just that's the reason it's so hard to get into because they're so far out, you know. And then again, then they want a physical CD at the time and whatever else it was. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, they're super popular. If you can get your foot in the door to them. do to do them, you can make good money. Like when, people make a good living at just doing yeah. house concerts. Oh yeah, definitely. And they're very fulfilling too. And one thing I found out that really helps me when I was starting out getting into house concerts, when they had those year out bookings. I would say, could I just do a 10 or 15 minute opener? I would love to just kind of meet you guys, hang out, and it would be giving me something to do on tour. But I was just actually trying to network and kind of get my foot in the door, and then I'd get booked the year ne- the next year. Okay, so, so that, that was a, a successful method yeah. for you? Yeah, and I would say like 10, 15 minutes just to open. And I would even say you don't have to pay me. 
honestly, because sometimes getting your foot in the door, you'll get paid later. I think sometimes people want to get paid right then, but it, yeah. it's, sometimes you have to work your way into it. But each one of those that I said that they always pay me. I don't think there's yeah. ever, been, but I offered it. Um, sure. They still gave me a little bit and like fed me and had a place to eat. Can but, you still sell your, sell your merch just yeah, to do that? Yeah, and you could still sell that. your merch. Yeah. So, And that's the thing too at house concerts versus um, any other kind of concert. You actually sell merch, like a good right. chunk of merch, which is different. Um, so that's one good thing. And people really relate to your music. It's 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 a very intimate atmosphere that can really, you know, help you with your original music as well. And people aren't screaming at you skinnered or something, you know, dumb. <laughs> Free bird. <laughs> Free yeah. bird. Yeah, so. right. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I like the idea of teaching people how to do it because, and I've done that a couple of times. We've actually kind of hosted house concerts for mm -hmm. myself and uh, some other artists that I was that I had been representing at the time. And, you know, we put the word out and had them all come to a particular house and we would do the show for them, whatever. And so it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just kind of training people to understand, you know, how that process works, what it looks like. And it's not hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I have a friend that actually made like a step by step video because that's what they primarily do is house show. Um, oh, nice touring and they have like a website and it's like step by step they like has like the checklist and everything and teaches mm -hmm. them how to do it <laughs> it's cute so that's a way to do it as well do it's you know who that is do you remember yeah have is? you ever met uh bradford loomis he's in nashville as well i can always okay. sync y'all up please do no i, I have not met him but yeah uh, that'd be awesome to hook us up so what's his name again bradford loomis okay so yeah. people can look him up on youtube and see that Oh yeah, uh, it, I don't know if it's live, live, but he definitely has the the checklist on his website. If I'm not mistaken, unless okay. he's changed it within the last couple months. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but he well, should. people can at least Google him. I'm sure it can find that. Yeah, uh, it's on his website. People that are interested in doing that, that's cool. Yeah, it's really nice. So let's talk a bit about. So again, you and I met through the Catch the Moon Access course, learning to write for TV sync. and film mm -hmm. sync projects. So what? How did you find out about that? And what was your interest in wanting to write for sync music? So actually, um, because of the college market, um, Ari Herstan, I knew him just through that because I was in the college industry. Um, and I had signed up for his um, email or list because, like I said, we're friends. And um, going through that, um, found out about this course that was in sync licensing. And, and as we talked about earlier, as musicians, you want to find any kind of stream of income or any kind of source that will promote your music almost like while you sleep. And I was already writing for other artists and, you know, wanting to do more work as well in that vicinity. And it kind of just made sense when they talked about this course about learning how to license your music to TV film. And I I'm about paying for things if I don't know how to do it, because I'd rather just get the this is how you do it. I don't want to trudge through it. Let's just go straight to the point and I'll learn. So right. I was like, look, you know what? Let's give this. I felt very um, drawn that I should. I, I, You know, it was at a time, you know, in my life I was like, this just feels like the next step because I'd kind of become in a pattern where, I mean, I was playing, like I said, 200 shows a year um, and I was honestly tired, if I'm going to be honest. Um, very so, tired. Uh, real, real quick, let me ask you, uh, let me just stop there just for a second. Yeah. I meant to ask you this a minute ago. Um, how, so you're playing 200 shows a year. How many of those shows are the college market that you normally would play a year? I know like my first year, I think I booked like at one conference, like 15 shows. So probably okay. 15 to 30. And okay. like I said, if you're doing that kind of show, you know, you're, you're traveling. And I was yeah. dr sometimes driving. I, f I fly all the time now. 
I, I was doing 16 hour drives, which was yeah. dumb. <laughs> so now I fly everywhere. Um, but you know, I was doing about three of those and then I definitely was doing local venues, about a hundred local venues and probably about 30 festivals and fairs at a time. So I was doing about 200, but the, the payout rate for a college show versus a local venue is night and day. So I could play, you know, you obviously divide a couple hundred dollars versus 1250, you know, it was, I was, working my butt off to make the same amount. So sure. I was I was kind of felt like I needed to kind of take the next step in the industry and right. wanted to know what that was. And I also felt like with an original music, local local venues help you make money and source of income. But I also wanted to really push my name and my brand and, you know, artist route. And I was like, how could I do that and still make income and be able to write more because I wasn't getting to write as much as I would like to. So this, uh, within the sync realm, it really helped me, um, kind of back away from playing as many shows and playing better shows less, you know, but still making the same payout and then also doing sync. So I was like, this seems like the perfect match. Let's figure out how to do that. And that's kind of how I got into that whole, that whole sync world. Yeah. And because of that, like you said, different songwriters and producers within the course were then reaching out to you saying, Hey, will you sing on this song? Mm-hmm. You know, in which you're able to say yes. And I can either, you know, either you pay me so much to be the voice, the vocal on it, mm-hmm. or, or I get to own a percentage of the song or the master recording, or maybe a mix of all those, yep. those options. So it's a good, it's another good, uh, good way to make income yeah. in music is doing singing, either singing demos or singing on songs for people that are getting placed on TV shows. Because then, for the audience, you know, audience listening, they we've talked about this a lot at this point, but <laughs> you know, we uh, we just over the different episodes, have, people have heard sort of this conversation. But you know, when you're doing TV music, for people that want to do music for a living, mm-hmm. if you're a songwriter or an artist. TV music sync is the way to go. Like that's where the the majority of yep. money comes from nowadays that where we can get paid, you know, radio singles and things like that, you know, unless you're a huge artist, you know, they just don't, you yeah. just don't get paid very much, but you can make really, really, really good money um, in the sync world as yes. a songwriter and artist. Yeah. So. Nope. Yep. That's I'm, cool. I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. <laughs> now, how, how many, how many songs have you, currently have place on different shows or yeah i have a good chunk and it's been interesting a lot of my sync placements have been with some of the other bands i've written for as well which is kind of cool so and with 206 we've been doing more um custom work so some of the stuff you know we custom do and then you know let them release it the way they want to but like recently got like a marvel placement what um i know i was really excited about that one and i've had like that on it was on Marvel's Runaways. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was really excited about that. And then I've had some random like my song used on a roller coaster, which was very odd. But in in Tennessee, there's some kind of theme park where they use my song for a roller coaster. So it's just like the avenue um, source is just so much bigger than you think it is within that world. And you, it's not just you know two, you know TV film. You know there's other places that use music and license it as well. So like the. Yeah, the roller coaster was the the fun one. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Now, is that is that Dollywood? No, it's not Dollywood. It's not Pigeon okay. Forge. It's um, 
there's another one and they use it on their, their like um, social media ads, but they also use it uh, whenever you're walking onto it, the ride. They literally so, just play a section of the song over and over and okay, over again. Okay. So how did you get connected with a theme park to license your music? Actually, it was through a festival I played near there. Um, and then they found out I was licensing music and they were like, well, we actually need something for one of our rides. And it was through a friend that had booked the festival and kind of just worked out that way. Okay. <laughs> so uh, through a back door, not so much talking to a supervisor by any means. So, but yeah, I mean, it, right. they, they still paid. <laughs> well, yeah. And now do you, uh, I mean, I don't want to go into detail cause I don't, you know, uh, uh, you got to keep that kind of stuff, this kind of stuff private, but yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out so that the audience can understand and, and so can I so I can understand because yeah that one a was a way different kind of just come about than most of the things that we pitch for a lot of times well, yeah but I, when you when you get a song that's being used on a roller coaster ride itself mm -hmm. when somebody's getting onto this roller coaster they're getting in the cart and they can hear your song playing yeah um are you do you get Will you be able to get paid every time that song is being played? Yeah, and at some they, point, or are they just paying you like a bulk amount, saying, "Okay, this is like a blanket license to use this as much as we need it to for a year." Kind yes, of thing. so they do it. That's kind of how we worked it out for that term, and okay. um, they do it. They re, I guess, re-sign up. That's not the correct way of saying it. Sure. But every year they um, draw up a new contract if that if right. that, they want to continue. So that's kind you. of been more of a flat out because. I, if they had to try to calculate how many times that ran throughout a day, I'm sure that would be a nightmare. So yeah, it's a blanket yeah. one. Yeah. But it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. How cool. No, that's super cool. Like your music is on a roller coaster. Like, I mean, that's, there are thousands of people hearing your song every day. Yeah. And know? it's funny and, too, because it was an older, an older song. Um, so and I, I, yeah. you just never know. That's the cool thing with sync too. something yeah. that you wrote seven years ago, they'll pick versus something you wrote yesterday. So it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, wow, this has been fantastic. Lots of cool information. Like the thing I love about doing this show is that I've got guests on from just kind of all facets of the music industry, you know, creative side, business side, just they're kind of covering the whole gamut. But the focusing on just talking what we've talked about today has been really unique and yeah. specific. And I'm really glad, really grateful for that, talking about the, you know, the festival market and the college market and different, you know, the house market, house concert market, and, you know, the, the organizations that are involved with those things like that's mm -hmm. super helpful for people to know that those exist and that you really need to go into those organizations to be able to get your foot in the door to be successful. And they're booking. all very welcoming too, which has been nice to find out just knowing that you went through the right Avenue. Mm -hmm. it, it will open the door wide open, especially within those markets because Oh, you're a part of this network. Right. It makes it so much easier. Now, let me ask you one last question on the college market yeah. from your perspective. Um, because you think college is, okay, college, you know, 18 to 23, 24 is the average the age range. Yeah, the demographic mm -hmm. for, for that market. As far as the artist goes, what do you feel is like the, the average age range for artists to perform in that yeah. market do you have to be in that same age range can you be a little bit older if your if your music is you know is current you mm -hmm. know and you know and accessible to that age range which hopefully it is you know because <laughs> <laughs> most i mean let's i mean let's be honest the music that most people listen to on the radio uh -huh. you know you're either i mean we focus on you know ariana grande and artists who are you know, in the early twenties or mm -hmm. late teens or whatever, that kind of thing. But people are still 
listening to Aerosmith and, you know, ACDC and, you know, whoever else, you know, Jennifer Lopez, she's like 50 or you know, <laughs> in her early 50s, you know, but she's still one of the hottest, you know, artists that there is. And everyone, you know, from teenagers up to adults in their 50s and 60s are listening to Jennifer Lopez, right? Yeah. And if she came to their college, everybody would be there. So her age doesn't matter. So if you're an artist wanting to get into the college market, how much does your age matter as an artist to perform in that market? They say age doesn't matter there, but it does, in my opinion. Um, I do think there's different sectors like comedians, uh, speakers. I think you can be any age you want to. Mm -hmm. But I do tend to find that the artist are actually not like young, young, but, um, I do, I see a cutoff around 35, 40, uh, honestly. Okay. Now yeah. it's might be because no one tries it after that age. Uh, but I just never, I've never seen anyone older than that, yeah. uh, except for like backing musicians. So yeah, I, d- I definitely see an age like where it kind of halts mm-hmm. and usually around 35, 40. Cause I know that colleges is probably not the long game. I'll probably age out. So, but right now I'm enjoying it. That's what matters. Yeah. yeah. And that's not to say that if you're, if you're over 40 that you can't yeah. try, you know, that there's not a place for you. You just haven't personally seen that. Yeah. And that's the thing. It may work. I just yeah. have never seen it, but it yeah. might be because all of our, um, you know, artists that could represent that category aren't doing it. That it right. honestly could just be the case. Yeah. So, And if you're talented and you're good and you can entertain, I mean, why not? You know, yeah. and you can do, which that being point in case, you should be current. That's, that is, if you're playing something that's out of a, diff, like, I played Alanis Morissette at a show one time and they didn't know who that was. So, like, <laughs> I, I wanted to throw up internally. It's okay, though. <laughs> well, the thing is, they probably know her music. They just didn't know her name. You know, no, everybody... they, they definitely didn't know her music. No, I was, they didn't know I her was music. shocked. Shocked. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, but if it's something like, like even Smash Mouth, they knew because of Shrek movie. I don't know if they would right. have known it if I'd played a song, you know. Right. So yeah. it's no, it's an interesting sense. world. They definitely yeah. cap out because you have to think most of them have only been listening to music uh, since like 2012. Like they're young, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. So they don't know half the people you're talking about except, you know, unless you play Backstreet Boys and Sync all day. For some crazy reason, they know Backstreet Boys and Sync, Spice Girls, that that area. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's another. Which I don't want to play. <laughs> that, that's another thing. When when you're playing in the college market, mm-hmm. do you do you find the percentage of original music versus covers to be? Do you have to play more covers than your originals, or can you play all originals, or how you, do, is that is that per you know per college they kind of determine what you're playing stylistically? Yeah, I would definitely say per college. Um, but they they tend to like to have at least a mix of some covers because it kind of pulls them in. But you, I know a couple bands on the roster that only do original and they're doing great, but a lot of times they'll pull in reinvented versions of covers. And that's what I kind of like to do. So like reinventing covers that are out in the thing or like playing like a verse and a chorus of one and then going straight into one of your songs because they like to sing along and, you know, so I definitely would in the college market. That's the one area that you really need to have some mix of covers in there. You don't have to, but it's, you know, helpful. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Well, again, this is awesome. Can you, do you have any last bits of advice, you know, or tips and tricks, do's and don'ts kind of thing that you would suggest for people, whether for any of these, any of these things that you have done, <laughs> either as an artist, as a songwriter, as a vocalist, uh, for other people, um, 
you know, just to kind of close out? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think out of every industry with even um, booking, licensing, all those, networking has been key and putting myself where everyone else is. So like you heard earlier, because I had like the red eye, I was in LA, but it's that's where I meet the friends that make the connections that get me everywhere that I'm at. So everything has been through networking, big or small. It's the people you know and the people that you gel with and are genuinely just a good person and human being too, because that's how this music industry works. And it's a lot smaller than you think, as we said earlier, because I feel like the higher up you go, that pool gets really small. So you got to really know who's going to be in the market that you're with and make friends with them. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. So awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your expertise and all the great things that you've been a part of and will continue to do. And uh, I I look forward to finding out about this, um, these two heavy metal groups (laughs) that you have music that's going to be on when it comes out. So yeah, I'm excited too. It's, it's definitely a different thing that I've ever done. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, congratulations on all your success, and I know you'll continue to do that. And hopefully, we will we will get to have some success together with the music that we've been working on. I know, yeah. You know, the company's been pushing those. a ton of stuff too, so we're excited about some new stuff coming out as well. And hopefully, moving on is part of that as well. Okay, what's the website so people can go check out two hundred six? Yeah, it's two, it's literally the number two T W O and then. O-H-S-I-X. So it's 206. It was actually a, a room number that we all did a writing camp at. So it was literally the room was number 206. Not Seattle. Okay. So the website is yeah. dot com. Gotcha. And this is a, a light music licensing company that you yes. guys have started. So you guys are – now are you taking submissions from – from songwriters and artists to pitch their music for sync placements? Right now, because we're still in that custom territory, we're Mm -hmm. taking submissions to possibly work with different people because with some of the different lines and tapes with ad agencies, we want to make sure we're able to be able to clear and one-stop everything. So until we, unless we know you personally um, and we know you kind of know the whole garble of it all, um, we're kind of, but feel free to submit something. Um, we're still looking for a couple of different areas that we need some spots filled for some work. So is there, free. is there any, anything specifically like genre wise you're looking for? Definitely. Um, we've been getting a lot of briefs or like uh, James Brown, big band stuff that we don't already have in house. Um, mm-hmm. anything that's a little bit more organic sounding. So, because we definitely have the pop and R and B, um, sectors pretty filled but yeah anything very organic big bands um that you don't typically find everywhere we've been getting briefs for that so we're still looking for that kind of area yeah let me ask let me ask you this real quick um how did you guys go about building relationships with particular supervisors to allow them to to want to start sending you guys briefs specifically does that make sense yeah definitely um we actually started going to different conventions but the main thing we've been doing we've been setting up because uh, half the crew lives in LA. I'm the only one that does not. So I'm on the East okay. Coast. Um, we've been setting up meetings with different um, agencies, companies, uh, different tele- television programs and inviting them to dinner that we treat or lunch. And we just have one-on-one conversations. That's kind of how we've gotten in that door. Obviously mm-hmm. cold emails, but like I said, um, just one-on-one in-person stuff. We've organized a couple events now and pretty much placed ourselves wherever supervisors are and made friends with them. So just kind of developing those. Um, Cause like one of the ones that we're getting briefs from right now, it was like almost a half a year development of just getting them to eat 
you know, eat dinner or lunch with us and have a conversation. And so now they're starting to send um, like their TV slates and their briefs. So we kind of know what they have on their plate in the horizon. And, you know, it's kind of, like I said, the company's new. So it's been really nice to see how kind of fast everything's coming into play, you Mm. know, so it's been great. Yeah. And that's how you kind of find some of them is through, you know, obviously that networking game yet again. Yeah. All right. So before I forget, I want to be sure to talk about your podcast. So um, one of the cool things for me that that whenever I released my podcast at the very beginning, I found out that you had one and you basically, I think you released yours the same week that I released mine. And I didn't know that you were doing one. It just all of a sudden <laughs> it was there. And I thought, oh, this is super cool. Lauren's got a podcast as well. And, you know, so I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is very very similar to mine as far as the content and what you're trying to, to accomplish with that. So I, I wanted to be sure to talk about yours and, um, you know, we kind of cross audiences, you know, with this whole thing. And, um, so tell us about what your podcast is and, and the reason that you're doing one as well. Yeah. And it's so funny too, cause I saw yours that week. I'd been planning, um, maybe six months to a year. I've kind of wanted to do the podcast thing and I just, have chickened out. I'm like, I'm touring too much. I'm just on the road too much. But I think you probably have the same heart as I do for musicians and people starting out and just really trying to feed into artists and musicians trying to get to go full time. So um, I actually started the Enlightened Musician podcast and the whole frame behind it. One, I love puns. So my last name's Light. Um, And two, Enlightened. Yeah, Yeah, that's definitely why. But I just thought sometimes you don't know the paths to go to until you you learn about them. You don't know anything. So until you've been enlightened, you really, you know, can't proceed. So pretty much my podcast is actually bringing on different musicians. It's a little shorter format than yours because I try to keep it kind of short, but um, it's bringing on different artists, musicians, publishers, and people in the music industry to Mm -hmm. teach people how to do it for a living um, and different tips and tricks from people that do it daily. Um, So I like that. So it's definitely more on the tips and tricks aspects and also just being very real and honest about this industry because I think a lot of people like to sugarcoat things and make it seem like it's the most easy um, career path to go to. So I want to just kind of reaffirm people throughout that whole journey that, you know, we've all kind of done this and this is kind of the tips that we, you know, did to get where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. It it is similar to mine in that respect, but yours is, like you said, it is shorter, a shorter Mm -hmm. version of what I do. Um, but I think that's such a great thing. You know, it, it doesn't matter how many people have a podcast or a show or whatever that's similar to what we're doing. It's like we all have we all have um, something to bring to the table mm-hmm. and some some wisdom and some experience and some knowledge and different things that we can can share with others. And so, you know, the more the merrier. So uh, no, and I, mean, I agree because I think especially in the starting stages or the beginner stages of new paths in your career, you need to like intake as much research and knowledge from all the sources of people that do that. So I definitely love having more options for people to, you know, really grow their career. So I love that we're kind of doing a little bit of the same thing and giving two different voices. So maybe someone will, you know, hear the same thing and just reaffirming. Yeah, exactly. for, For people. Yeah from people who've, who've been through it and have had the experience at it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and are going through it together now. So, which is great. 
Exactly. And we definitely have a little bit different guests too. So it kind of works out, especially, which I am from the South, but I feel like I've been pulling more West Coaster and um, you definitely do a little bit more Nashville and that base. And so I think we got all the basis covers between the two of us, right? Yeah, we do. And (laughs) yeah, and mine, you know, I do a lot of of LA people, West Coast people too, just because of the sink, the sink stuff. That's true. Which you're Mm -hmm. a part of as well. So, Um, but yeah, I think we're kind of covering all the geographical areas. We're (laughs) we're at least trying and we'll, I'll have to get you some of my guests and same as well for you too. And we'll totally, yeah, definitely to be fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, congratulations on all your success and thank, you. and thank you for coming on and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. We're going to, we're going to close out the show as part of our song moving on. So people Yay. can hear what we have been able to accomplish together. I love and, it. Uh, and you guys have a great rest of the day. guys there you have it well i really hope you enjoyed this episode today and our interview and our song thank you for taking time to listen to our song right there i'm very excited for what happens with that and where it kind of see where it lands on some tv placements or movie placements in the near future so um, i really hope that you are taking what we've talked about today if you're wanting to get into the festival market or into the into the college market you can make a really good living doing that so i hope you take what we've talked about and put it into practice into your life would you guys do me a favor and if you like the podcast would you please subscribe to it on the platform that you're listening to it on and spread the word and get it out to your friends and family and everyone you know and let's continue to to spread the word of what we're talking about here for people wanting to get into the music industry as a living remember Edinburgh Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call FaceTime zoom or skype and be sure to let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry